Welcome, everyone. Dude, this story is freaking nuts. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am so excited for this one. I do want to say that this is going to be a two-parter. So this is part one. We're going right. to do part two for Supremos on the next episode. So if you're one of those people that need to have both at the same time, either go to patreon.com slash talk murder and, and you can stay on for the next episode or uh, just wait till next week. I'll have them both, both posted, you know, cool. then, but I will say a lot of this story will be supplemented by the Johnny Llama podcast. So we can do that during the week mm-hmm. stuff that goes into the story. That's not really murder, but it's, you know, it is part of the story. So I can't really explain too much, but go to any podcasting app and uh, look for this logo here. And what do you think about that, Jen? That, uh, Ooh, that logo there. Pretty I amazing. love that. That's a really realistic llama. Go and follow that right now. That podcast is up. There's going to be like two or three supplemental episodes based on this story that isn't really murder, but is super interesting. And you're definitely going to want to follow that. But these stories will be out next week. Anyway, that's enough for me. Boom. All right, let's get amped up, man. I'm excited. All right. Well, this one is for Tasha, Taco Supremo. Tasha, what's up, girl? Nice. Hey, Tasha. Hey, Tasha, what's up? All right, well, take us away then. For Tasha. This for Tasha. Not Natasha, but Tasha. Tasha. T A W. Tasha. Oh, Tasha. No. No. Tasha. Tasha. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. All right. Tasha. Tasha, thank you very much for your patronage. Cheers. Oh, this smells good. Apple something. Sour apple. That's one of my favorites. All right. Who's ready to get started, man? This is going to blow off your socks. Well, I already have a hole in one of them, so... I think it's time to throw that pair away, Jen. Well, that's the thing. It's not a pair. I think it's time to throw that one sock away. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So if you know this story, this is going to be part one, part two, like I said. If you know this story and you don't know the details, don't look it up. Just follow these episodes. Follow me. Okay. Follow me and follow the Johnny Lama. So you really know why some people do the things they do. Because I went really deep into some things and I'm super excited. But don't be looking it up or looking ahead or anything. It's, it's best if you just follow me and I'll take you to where you need to go. So like Willy Wonka. Yeah. (laughs) Except your tour is going to be like that creepy part of Willy Wonka where they're in the tunnel. The whole part of Willy Wonka is creepy. That is a creepy ass movie. Mm. Yeah. And I haven't even seen the one with Johnny Depp. Oh, Oh, I haven't. What are you talking about? Well, that's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, that's the one with Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka. It's still fucking creepy. No, no, wait. It's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the original, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the one with Johnny Depp or vice versa. Just one of those. One of those storylines, but yeah, creepy. No tanks. Tonight, we're going to Google Earth. So if you are on live stream right now, make sure you say hey in the chat box. You got to subscribe to do that so we don't have any trolls. But you can see where we're going tonight. And if you're listening to this on podcast, go to talkmurder.com. That's where I put all my photos and everything else. And that will be there by the time you hear this. But tonight, we are going to one eight. 241 Kalina Norte and I'm pulling up the Google Earth right now. Do you want to take a guess where that is? No. No, I would like to decline a guess. Thank you. Thank you for asking though. 
You too? Can you repeat the question? 18241 Kalina Norte. Would you like to- Kalina Norte. I'm going to say we're going to Mexico. I was going to say Spain. So I'm I'm declining my declination. Hey, Amanda. Welcome to your first live chat. What's, What's up, up, Amanda? We are going to California. Oh, Alan guessed it. Natasha's dissing you about the Charles Sabrage case in part two. <laughs> he said he waited so long he's out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn that's, that's funny as cold, hell natasha dude that is really funny <laughs> uh hey brandon what's up man? what's up brandon what's up brandon the street changed no shit oh, oh, that's why that makes what more the sense fuck? it was so bad like, they changed yeah. the name of the street i'm guessing yeah. so man like what in the hell so now it's instead of Kalina Norte, it's Paseo Victoria. I will say the book I'm reading from this came out in 1997. So forgive me, please. But still, like, <clears throat> could you imagine living somewhere for all of your life and then all of a sudden they decide they're going to change the name of it? Like, I guess so. I mean, so that's why I didn't know. Because like I'm typing in the right thing, but it's freaking... They changed the damn name. But still, we can't even get a freaking view of the damn place. Anyway, it is a big ass fucking mansion. Let me tell you. It's this right here. This one right here. Wow. Huge mansion. This is not the Charles Manson case, but a different one. So tonight we're going to 18241 Kalina Norte. Later change the address. Whatever doesn't matter. I'm starting tonight with this female right here. Jen, can you describe this lady for us? Um, she looks like in her twenties, maybe like mid to mid to late twenties. Um, I'm guessing by her hairdo. 60, oh, there you go, sixty four. It says that. Oh, never mind. Okay, in her high school yearbook. Oh well, well maybe not her high school yearbook. Maybe she was a teacher. She doesn't look to be a teenager. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I, yeah. Uh, no, she's, she's wearing a cross. So we're going to 1997. This story takes place in 1997. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. March 26, 1997 is where I'm starting. Okay. So this is her photo from 1964. So that's that girl right there. She is a brunette. She's very pretty. All right. This house that we're going to, seven bedrooms, seven and a half baths, swimming pool, spa, tennis courts. And we're starting this story March 26, 1997. It is the morning time. However, the exact time period is unknown. So we don't know the exact exact time but most likely the 26th of of march and this woman here her name is judith and roland i'll put her photo on talkmer.com the one i just showed you this is during the morning time not it's probably like 10 or 11 let's say 10 or 11 and this is a big mansion and there are quite a few people in this house mm -hmm. however she kind of notices and she's upstairs in in a bedroom with two of her girlfriends she starts to notice that is pretty quiet in the house you know this is a big house there's so many people in there it like should there's be, a lot of people living in the house you mean yeah there's a lot of people that live in this house okay so odd in 1997 1997 she knows why it's so quiet she's just kind of like she she feels good that it's so quiet it's silent and she can collect her thoughts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she is laying on her bed at this point and her two girlfriends are in the same room and they're also laying on, on separate beds mm -hmm. and they're all just drinking. They're actually drinking vodka, which well, I think oh, we're drinking. Well, that's appropriate. Hey, Darren. What's up, Darren? Hey, Darren. How's up? So Judith 
is sipping her vodka and she's just relaxing on the bed. She kind of looks over at her two girlfriends and notice they had been talking, you know, just about things and life and stuff like that. She notices her two girlfriends start to kind of doze in and out, you know, in and out, kind of just sleeping here and there. So being quiet, she sits up in her bed and she has a, a painter's mask, an N95, <laughs> N95, the COVID Yeah, the thing. COVID mask, yeah. I thought that would be funny. No. <laughs> the now infamous. <laughs> everyone Hard knows. To get. Yeah, everyone knows what mask to get now. So she puts on her N95 COVID painter's mask and, and then she's really quiet. The door shut and she kind of gets out of bed. She walks over to her, her friend, one of her friends. This is her right here. An old photo of her. Her name is Julie. I, I've said it right once. Hold on. La, La Montaigne. Julie, because okay. I keep wanting to say La Montagne or something. But this is Ju- this is Julie La Montaigne. Short, dark hair, light skin, dark eyes. Mm-hmm. That also looks like it's an f- older photo, maybe from the same. Yeah, period. these are all older photos. Oh, OK. Yeah. So that's her. And I'll put all these photos on talkmore.com, like I said. So she walks over to her bed and notices that Julie is kind of in and out of sleep. And she also looks at her other friend, which I'll show you both of these again. But this is Susan Francis Strom here. So, you know, the same. It's an older photo. She was actually prom princess. She's apparently really pretty. I mean, she kind of looks pretty, I guess. I don't know. It's an old photo. This is like 60s. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, she's yeah. pretty. Young. It looks young. I didn't know what prom, prom princess was a thing. Well, at our at our school, the prom princess is in prince and princess are juniors and then the king and queen are seniors because we only do one prom and juniors and seniors can go to it interesting which is yeah it is interesting because when i was in high school only seniors got a prom it was juniors and seniors for us but we did not do prom king queen shit and like then again it wasn't all girls school so yeah we should we should host an an adult prom like just for adults i have actually said that to some of my co-workers that would be so cool where are we gonna host it i'm surprised you're into this idea i mean it'd be like the like carrie like the winter Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have like slow dances and everything, and you can. Are you dressing up? It's like where do I put my gonna, hands? He's gonna do the thing where he wears like the tuxedo T-shirt. That's yeah. probably yeah. what Don will do. You know. Anyway, all right. Judith Roland. She sips her vodka. She walks over. She looks at her two girlfriends. Both of them are just kind of drowsing in and out of sleep. She takes one more sip of vodka, puts her cup down on the the side table, and she reaches down into her pocket and she pulls out a handgun. Yes, she pulls out a handgun. No, that's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell her she's right. I knew that was coming. That's why I wasn't didn't react. <laughs> Judith reaches in her pocket and pulls out a small plastic bag. Now, we don't have a photo of the plastic bag. I looked everywhere, but I think it is, you know, the, the bathroom trash cans, the small ones mm-hmm. and the little bags that are transparent mm-hmm. so you can kind of see through them. Mm-hmm. That, Not like a quart size Ziploc bag? No, like an actual plastic bag. Like a produce bag. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So she pulls out this bag from her pocket and quietly she walks over to Julie LaMontagne's bed and she opens the bag up and she's really quiet doing this. And then she just quietly and softly just slips it over her friend's head and pulls it down real slow so her friend doesn't know that she's getting a trash bag on her head right what 
does she think is happening? Well, she's sleeping. Asleep. Yeah, okay, she's sorry. sleeping. So she pulls it down below her nose and mouth, which means you'll, she's, she's going to suffocate. Them, she's yeah. going to try to suffocate her. She pulls it down. Her air is blocked now. She can't breathe. And she quietly tucks the ends under her neck. And mm-hmm. she notices that her friend, Julie, twitches a little bit. But, you know, she must be sleeping. So she doesn't actually know that she's suffocating to death. But her body does do an involuntary kind of twitch. Scary. Yeah. Now... She then reaches down and just as quietly takes a blanket, a, pur- a purple blanket that was on Julie's bed, and she puts it over her head. And Julie's going to die right there on the bed. Jesus. So <laughs> what do you guys think of this shit? <laughs> That's pretty brutal. Did she? I'm wondering why she had the N95 mask on. Did, was it so that hmm. she could, like Julie couldn't feel her breathing when she was? That's a good question. That it's either that or COVID. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, then it was like SARS, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, or the bird flu or some yeah, shit. Yeah, 97, yeah. No, I'll, I'll tell you why she's wearing a painter's mask here in a second. So she puts the blanket on her friend. Her friend is now passing, dying, suffocating. She doesn't even know it. And then Judith, she turns and looks at Susan and she starts to walk over to, to Susan. All right. She reaches into her pocket. Susan's sitting there. She's also in and out of sleep. Judith pulls out another trash bag. I guess she just carries around trash bags in her pocket. All the time. She pulls out another trash bag and she walks over to Susan's bed. All right. Now, before I go any further, let me tell you about the woman that was just killed. Okay. So once again, this is Julie, the one with the trash bag over her head. Mm -hmm. This is her right here. And let's talk about her. Let's try to find out why this happened. So she was a former missing person. Now, this is before 1997. This is way before. She first vanished in 1979. So this lady right here was presumed dead at one point. She was missing. Her family had no idea where she was. 1979, she goes missing. However, years later in 1990, so 11 years later, she shows back up unannounced, unexpected at her foster mother's home. Her foster mother is Teresa Boucher is her name. And she never forgets when her daughter showed back up. She was just shocked. Like, where where have you been? Mm -hmm. The The foster mother says, quote, we lost a daughter, but we really lost her 21 years ago this was just the final loss we're talking about the one that i just talked about the 1997 a background from her she was an honor student at her high school a national honor student she was quote a nice person and a little on the quiet side said one former classmate she graduated in 1974 one year before she first went missing from the university of mass amherst in nursing so she was a nurse okay her father. I got her, into UMass Amherst. I almost went there. The zoo. I got into University of Phoenix because ECPI wouldn't accept me. <laughs> Is that one of those things? Yeah. Uh, or CCPI, I think. I was the one that like closed their doors. Like University of Phoenix. No, they didn't. Did they? I believe so. Is it not? They a closed thing their anymore? doors. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think University of Phoenix is around anymore. Oh shit! Wow, you could sell your degree. Does my degree not matter? I mean, it never mattered in the first place. <laughs> does matter right before she goes missing her father her rock her everything they did everything together father and daughter suddenly passed away this left her completely disheveled she loved him so much she thought he was her knight in shining armor julie's brother andrew lamontaine said quote when he passed away julie just freaked out 
And then she met those people and it was all over. In 1979, right before she goes missing, she shows up at a family gathering and she's talking to her brother and all these, all of her family members. She's trying to explain this new thought process that has came over her, this new religious ideology that she has recently inherited. And it seems to them that even her, she didn't know what she was talking about. She couldn't explain it and they could tell she had no idea what she was talking about. And then all of a sudden, a day later, she's gone. So that's all they knew. And then she came back and now she ends up in this mansion in, you know, in California with a bag over her head. Okay. So I'm trying to, this story, I'm trying to like, like, how did we get there? Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. how did this happen? Her brother recalled, quote, at that time, she was preparing helpless people for their future life. She said she was taking the aged and the sick and preparing them, he said. Oh, boy. Andrew said, quote, I told her that I thought she was crazy to follow these people. And she just told me that she had another belief. And that's all she says. Months later, she writes her family saying that, quote, I want nothing more to do with you, end quote. Her brother, Andrew, said she was a weak, unstable person. My parents spent the next 20 years trying to find her. Now, going back to Judith, the one who put the bag over Julie's head. She's dead. We're not going to talk about her anymore. Okay. But now Judith looks over at Susan, her other friend, Uh and she takes that bag, same size bag out of her pocket. She unravels it. She opens it up. She walks slowly over to Susan's bed. She puts that opening in the bag over Susan's head and quietly brings it down first over the nose, then over the mouth. And she knows noticed with this one that Susan, she didn't twitch like Julie did. And then she looked at her face and she saw how peaceful. And I, I would even imagine that Judith was thinking, wow, you know what? What a really pretty girl while she's doing this. If you see her right there. Mm. So she just so she also died. Yeah. So, I didn't know if you were going to say that she like woke up and well, all was happening. no, no, she died. So when Julie pulled down the bag over her nose and mouth, she didn't twitch like the other one. She did suffocate. Judith tucked the bag ends behind her neck. And she thought that the reason that she probably didn't twitch like her friend did is because the the mixture of vodka and phenobarbital that she had been drinking had probably already kicked in. She did have a pulse, but just barely. So she didn't feel anything, but she did suffocate. I asked ChatGBT, what is phenobarbital? And this is what it gave me. Phenobarbital is a long-acting barbiturate medication used primarily as a sedative and anticonvulsant. It is also used to treat anxiety, insomnia, and seizures. Phenobarbital works by depressing the central nervous system and reducing brain activity. Pretty good definition there. Mm. You know? But that's what she was drinking. That's why she didn't twitch. So So she was already sedated. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about this girl. The Susan. The one who kill, is no, killing no, them? No, Susan. Susan. Oh, oh, oh. We're talking about Susan yep. now. The, this girl that she yep. just put the bag over and now let's go back 20 years before and this is in Susan's life she met this guy David Van Senderen and they became they became a hot topic really quick this is this guy right here he uh, looks like a big old goober doesn't he yeah like Woody Harrelson (laughs) Woody yeah yeah, he's a very very defined bone structure Mm -hmm. big nose so kind of like Woody Harrelson playing mixed, a villain mixed with uh, Jason Stratham. No, mixed with. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. With the guy from uh, Always Sunny. Oh, yeah. All I right. See that. David met Susan in 1975 and he was just enthusiastic 
enthralled. The first time he saw her, she had walked into his botany class. Now, this is college. They were studying at Corvallis University. She walks into his class, the botany class, and he is just enthralled. I quote, dark-eyed former prom princess. Both of them started talking, immediately fell in a deep, passionate love. They Mm. found out they had a lot of the same interest here. David, who we're going to talk about him later. He's just the boyfriend, so I'm kind of preferencing Susan's life with David, right? David is an environmentalist who shared the same passion for the planet as Susan did, like protecting Mm -hmm. the earth, hippie type of shit. The environment was what it was about. It was essential said his sister, Sylvia Abate, who remembers carting home laboratory mice from her prep school biology class one June. 17-year-old David spent that summer teaching the mice to live in the wild before joyously setting them free. So going back to Susan, she is completely in love with this guy, but Susan is conflicted because she's also a party girl. She loves the environment. She wants to make changes, Mm -hmm. but she also loves, you know, that, that fast lifestyle. She is a daughter of an Omaha attorney who later became a federal judge. So she is, she's from a pretty strict, strict family. Mm -hmm. She was Catholic school raised and her father would go to mass every day, take her with her. She was extremely religious. Okay. But one nun remember her as, quote, most wide open to wonder. She was always searching for something, much like who we just talked about, Julie. Julie was also searching for something after her father died. But Susan was the same way. She just, she was always searching. From the Washington Post, quote, she seemed really as if she were searching, said former friend Nancy Oberst. Quote, she was just so much more introspective than she had been. She wanted to talk about things like, did I feel I was going the right way and doing the right things? So she came from a very religious stock. Everyone remembered her glorious smile. Mm -hmm. Quote, I can see her at the swimming pool right now and how pretty she was, said her senior prom date. She was conflicted as well, but eventually David, her boyfriend, they got married and and his passion for environmentalism pulled her out of her what she was going in. And and now she's just a part of him, basically. So they go and they travel around. Eventually she ends up at this mansion with a bag over her head. Mm-hmm. So that's her. Okay. Now let's go back to Judith one more time. I hope this is not confusing. There's three people we're talking about. Right. Judith Julie, is the killer. Yeah. Judith Judith is the killer. Yeah. Julie's already dead. The first one. Yep. And then Susan is now dead. Correct. Yep. Okay. okay. Judith. Let's go back to her. The okay. last one standing. Judith. She started watching Susan, her good friend of all those years, drift away. She eventually pulls up a blanket. It was also purple in color pulls up the blanket over her head and then she quietly walks back to to her own bed. Now, she hasn't been drinking as much vodka, but she lays in her bed. She takes another sip and then she finishes the rest. Her cup of vodka not only had the phenobarbital, but it also had Mm -hmm. hydrocodone in it. So like a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. And for the phenobarbital, which is used as like a cyanide to to kill yourself, Mm. only six grams is 
is enough to, to kill you for phenobarbital. In her cup, Judith's cup, she had 11 grams, almost twice the dosage, the lethal dosage of Dang. phenobarbital. So let's talk about her. As she's drinking this vodka, she's going to kill herself as well. Okay. She's going to be the last one. She is already down this vodka filled with twice the lethal dose of phenobarbital, right? Judith, a mother of two, a Cindy Lou and a Joseph, both under 10 when their mother... Cindy Lou who? Cindy Lou was the daughter and Joseph, her son. They were both under the age of 10 when their mother, they watched their mother walk out of the house. Just all of a sudden, just walk out of the house, left for eight years. Dang. Just like the last one we talked about, remember? She just left. Apparently, Judith had found some new insights on things. She had found a, a new religion and she wanted to devote her life to that. Now, with this story, there are more people involved. It's interesting because before 1997, now we're talking about all through the 70s, a lot of the missing cases, it wasn't missing because people figured out where, where all these people went, but a lot of the headlines were things like this. Where have mommy and the others gone? So hmm. this is this is Judith right here with her baby. And that's the two kids right there. That's her husband or her former husband, Bob Roland. And she does she seem happy in these photos? I'll put this yeah. on yeah. talkmore.com. Yeah. So she seemed like she's searching for something, some new insight, some uh, some a way out, perhaps. Uh, I, I mean, I can't tell from that photo. Yeah, but it's hard to say from a photo, but. Both of her children were under the age of 10 when they saw mommy just walk out. Hmm. Where's mommy? Where did mommy go? The father, the husband? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know where she went. I don't know. Chris Neary, a high school chum, said, quote, she was real active, always having fun. She was on the pedestal. Squad. Her principal, a Susanna, said that she was a typical small town American girl. She was pretty mainstream, a BC average student, nothing noteworthy. She never ended up on any honor rolls or anything like that. But she did attend both her five and ten year high school reunion. Now, shortly before, shortly before her ten year reunion, something happened. Much like Julie, who had lost her father all of a sudden and put her completely in, in disarray, disarray shoveled, doesn't know what she's doing in life, kind of just going in circles. Her life is completely turned over. Looking for some meaning. Looking for meaning. Mm. Much like Julie, her best friend, Susan's best friend, high school best friend, committed suicide right before oh, their gosh. right before their 10th anniversary, high school anniversary. Oh. Anniversary. Judith went into a tailspin after that. She was already married and, you know, kids and stuff like that, but she just, she lost it. She lost mm -hmm. her way, completely just lost the meaning of life. So... Yeah, those are pretty traumatic events for somebody to experience, for yeah, sure. For sure. Where did mommy go? That's what the kids would ask. Mommy, where's mom? Where'd mommy go? Is she okay? They asked that question until they finally received a letter from her. And this letter said the following. Think what you will. I am doing greater work for him and will have eternal life. I don't love you anymore or the children. They belong to him as I do. Judith Ann Rowland in her letter to her husband and family. Wow. Like, that's pretty harsh. That's fucked but up. But also, like, is him... Yeah, him is God, capitalized. Is him God? Like, like a cat... Because she's she was very Catholic. No, that was one of the other girls. That was Susan. Um, But are they, like, talking... Is this, is this, like, a traditional he God in Christianity? Or is this... 
something else. So I don't know what she's talking about. Like, is she talking about God or a cult or whatever? But she just said him. That's all she would talk about. And this photo right here, if you read, if you see the the sub headline, it says invitation to an unearthly kingdom. Yeah. So that might kind of give you an idea. And is anyone, does anyone on live chat know what we're talking about? There were a few people that guessed cults and there were a few people that guessed um, angel of death cult. Angel of death? Mm-hmm. An angel of death cult. Let me give you another hint. Judith considered herself a part of the away team. Maybe Wait. maybe that will give you a hint. That's kind of like... What? <laughs> I'm not following that hint. An away team to like make people go away so she was killing people? Her husband, Bob, moved on, finally filed a divorce in 1975. Before she left, Bob felt that his wife was lacking something deeper, that she lost the meaning of life and she's trying to find it somewhere. So she started listening more to her mother, which her mother was extremely religious, and she actually baptized Judith on three separate occasions. The mother found two friends, Mm -hmm. we'll say, and they had a message, a very different message from any religion that she has heard before. So the mother got really interested in it, Mm -hmm. and eventually the daughter followed, you know. Okay. I guess I'm just kind of interested because usually you only get one shot at baptism. Like, it's not something, I mean, at least in Catholicism. No, you can baptize more than once, right? Like, I was baptized. When you were older, right? Not in in Catholicism. You only get get baptized. Baptized once. It's like the sac it's the first sacrament of initiation. But I don't know. I didn't say she was Catholic though. So obviously she's not Catholic. No, I'm not saying that she is Catholic. I didn't realize that in other in even in Christianity you get baptized more than once. No, so in in Christianity and baptism, you you know, accept the Lord and Savior into your heart. And then you Yeah, it's it's more of a demonstration, right? So it's like, I believe in God, baptize me. Catholics are like, Okay, you're now a baby, so before you do anything fucking sinful let me dunk you in this tank real quick we also have confirmation when you're like a teenager or older you don't have to be a teenager when you do it but typically that's when you do it is you're that's like i guess the same thing as saying like i believe in god like i'm gonna follow the rules of the catholic church the husband says quote well she didn't seem awfully depressed and moody and he told the la times that quote those people have done something to her mind i'd like to help her all i can but I don't think she'll ever be back. This is after she wrote that note that Hmm. just, what what did it say that note? Going back to that note, it said, I quote, I don't love you anymore are the children. I mean, why can't they love him and her husband and children? You know what I mean? Like, so why, why it gotta be just him? So that must be so hard to, I hope the father didn't show the kids that. Well, eventually they found out. Yeah. Yeah. But because this was years before she didn't just leave and then find herself in the soup, you know, this uh, mansion. Like this was 1975 is when she left. So this was damn near How does 20 cult, years. It's 20 Al- years Alan later. Asked, give me a better hint how they could afford a mansion. How how did they afford, how how did that come about? Um, or is that for part two? That is for part two. Okay. We're going to look inside the mansion. I will say to sell that mansion, they, so they tried to put it right back on the mar- on the market and they had a big problem getting out all the, uh, the stains and the stench. Oh God. Because uh, there, were, there was a couple more bodies found in said mansion that didn't die on the 26th the march like uh these three did oh no they died weeks before <laughs> hence the painter's mask oh <laughs> no <laughs> ew oh. 
I don't like that. How can you be living in a house with a bunch of dead people? If you know you are. Jesus Christ. Hey, Bikram Yoga Mom. Uh, hey. Hey, from Colombia. Oh, is it Lacey? I think so. What's up, Lacey? Hey, Lacey. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what the painter's mask is for. Oh, that is nasty. <laughs> Oh. But to answer your question, so all right, we are talking about a cult, but unlike Charlie Manson, if you go back to the Charlie Manson story, which I uh, haven't also takes place in a mansion, but <laughs> finished, interesting. I haven't finished covering that story, obviously, but they finance their ventures through like stolen credit cards and mm-hmm. through robberies and stuff like that. This this cult, if that is what we're talking about, they finance through donations and also a weird one, web design. What? <laughs> In 1997, <laughs> yeah. the oh very God. beginning of the I internet. would love to see one of the websites designed. That like they built, yeah. This Wayback Machine. I can show, sh- I can one? show you one, but it's oh kind of give away the story. I can show okay. you their website. <laughs> Do you, are, you can save it for part two. Yeah, save it. You for, can save it for part two, but I definitely we want, want to, see, to it. see it. But we don't need to see it right this yes. second. Yeah. Yes. I don't want to. If you guys don't know the story, I, I'm. You know, I think it's fun to string you guys along like this. <laughs> Martin has a guess. Can I read his guess? Um, give me the, just give me the initials of the guess. H. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway. Well, if he never went in the live chat, so <laughs> saw his guess. So. All right, let me go back. So she leaves, leaving her 10-year-old and her 8-year-old wondering where mommy went. She walks out the door with $1,000 in cash that was their family savings and a $1,300 diamond ring. Now, this is screwed up. Okay, this is kind of screwed up. The first note that she she wrote only weeks later explained that she was dying of cancer and was given only two more months to live. So she took the money and ring to pay for her treatment. So she's lying. to. So the husband at this point, like the wife is just gone, leaving the kids. And now... A note in her handwriting says that she left because she's going to die in two months from cancer. Like he still is trying to find her. That's awful. Right. There's the uh, who we talked about first, Julie. Right. Her parents spent 20 years, 20 years looking for her. And they knew she was alive, I guess. Well, they no, they didn't. They spent 20 years not knowing, not having no clue. And then she shows up mm. and leaves Right after that. And then there's like, well, shit. Would would it be spoiling it? Did she did she go to this place the first time she was missing or was she actually missing due to nefarious circumstances the first time? No, she went to the same place. It wasn't the same mansion, but um, same organization. Yeah, the same people. So this is what it says. This is so screwed up why she would do this. this. We're talking about Judith here sending the cancer letter. Quote, dear Bobby, the letter began. If you are not sitting down now, please go to a quiet place to read this. My darling, how do I tell you I have decided to go away? Because I love you so much, I couldn't bring myself to tell you of my illness. But one month later, a second letter came in. Now he is just, he's contacting the news, the police. No one knows where she is. She's dying of cancer. She only has a thousand dollars in a $1,300 engagement ring. Allegedly, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so a second letter came in a month later. And on this letter, she mentions no, nothing of her illness. She explained that she no long quote no longer loved him or the children and had left forever to do divine work i am doing the father's work she wrote i have given him my life and in return he has given me mine 
Bobby, you have given me so much, but I no longer want material things, she continued. I wish I could spare you the hurt, for in your world, I deserted you and the children. You're a great man and loving person. Don't deprive yourself of a new love and mother for your children. My love is the father now. And father is like all capitalized. So just to go back, Judith is the one who just killed her two girlfriends with, right. the, with the bag of her head. So right. we're, we're going over her story now. So yep. I kind of went over all three. All three. It's like, yep. yeah. I probably shouldn't say this. It's like her name's Judith. Like yeah, the same that's thing what I was as, thinking. as Judith. Judith with a lisp. Mm, mm. Judith with the lisp? Yeah. yeah. You said that last <laughs> time, like people had lisps back in the day, right? What? Somebody said that? We were talking about accents. Oh. We were talking about accents. Not lisps. Judith. <laughs> All right. So her, her. I'm sorry. I couldn't. I, I once I thought of it, I it's I've, it's been sitting on me since like. It's OK. Don't hold back. It's the fine. beginning of the episode. Her young children constantly ask about mommy. But the husband, the father, mm-hmm. eventually said that mommy was, quote, sick in the head. Sounds like it. And his, this is what he told the uh, L.A. Times, quote, I had told them we just have to go on and start a new life for ourselves. I didn't see any sense in lying to them. So they were 10 years old at the time, you know. So, I mean, now they're grown up because mommy yeah. left 20 years ago and now right. she's dead in a mansion it's like now so we didn't spoil it we're, we're going to end this episode up okay okay part two will be right after this for our supporters but i want to end this with a 911 call Oh, so okay. if you guys want to read this now, the nine one call is we're just going to read it out this uh, this book here, which I'll tell you what the book is uh, here in the second episode. Wednesday, March 26, 135 p.m. Caller, I need to report an anonymous tip. Who do I talk to? OK, this is regarding what? This is regarding a mass suicide and I can give you the address. OK, what's the address? One eight two four one Colina Norte in Rancho Santa Fe. And that's a house. That's a house. OK, what happened there? Well, um, I think there was a religious group that committed suicide. How long ago? Do you know how about how long ago? Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Okay, and how did you hear about this? Uh, I was notified uh, by mail. I thought I'd pass it along to you just so you can know. Okay, can I get your name? No, I'd rather remain anonymous. I, I found out by mail? How long were these bodies sitting in the house for? Uh, well, a long damn time. Th- so... At this point, let's go back to where we started. Judith had just smelled awful in there. Oh my god. Judith, Judith wearing her painter's mask had already covered up her two friends with a purple blanket. And everyone else was already dead. She was the last one. She was the last. Okay. This is this is her, supposedly. There are 39 of these that all kind of look the same. Mm -hmm. So, but the couple things you notice. They're all wearing the same clothes. They're all wearing the same clothes. Down to the sneakers. Down to the Nike sneakers. The Nike for real. Yeah. Nike jump. Should we go get a couple pair and I'll wear, go put them on from the uh, inventory room? Maybe you can uh, find some that look just like that and you can monetize them. What else yeah. do you notice about this real quick? This kind of purple with purple the purple, blankets. purple blankets. What's under that table? A bomb? No, no. Like a duffel bag? A, a duffel bag. And beside the other body, you see this little red duffel bag. Oh, they yeah. all had duffel bags. Yeah. Oh, because they were going to go. They were going to go after they resurrected, right? 39 people were dead in this house. They all kind of look like that. And I'm going to stop with this last letter. Judith, at this point, that that uh, phenobarbital mixed with her her vodka and her applesauce that she had been eating. Applesauce. With the hydrocodone mixed in is really kicking in now. She pulls the blanket over her own head. 
and she goes to sleep. And this is the last letter that came in with her new name as Fleece. So instead of Judith, her new name is Fleece. Like the blanket. Yeah. These two people are from our father's kingdom, she wrote. And that bright star we have talked about has some connection to us. It's a spaceship. There is a big moment being started. Watch for news of this to happen. We are chosen disciples. Wow. (laughs) I wonder if they're up on that star slash spaceship now. That's the end of part one. This case that is going to be long, I'm going to do it on my other podcast too, but it's going to be one episode, part one, part two, for the suicides. We're going to talk about the autopsies of all the other dead bodies and stuff like that. But also the, Mm -hmm. But also the belief system. I'm going to get into that on on our other podcast that we just started. So uh, be sure to tune in that. If you want to know the entire belief system, just find this logo in... uh, Uh, your podcasting apps. And that's kind of our new one. I love that. But the book we're reading from is Cosmic Suicide. We are talking about Heaven's Gate. This is the hell bop, you know, comet that went by. And for these guys, for 39 people, they believed that. So we're not talking about suicides or murder here. We're just talking about them leaving their vessels. And so apparently now they're on a spaceship. But I'm going to, we're going to go into how people got involved in, into this and what they actually believe, as well as go through the mansion and see all the rotting bodies that have been there for weeks. Ugh. And that's what we're going to start with next. But just let me show you this. Uh, you asked about the website real quick. Yes. Yeah, I just want to show you that. I thought you'd be interested. This is Let's the website. web design. The website that has not changed and no one knows who owns it now. Cult members, obviously, that uh, didn't extend still own it. But this website has not changed since 1997. So flashback to the past. This is the actual website, heavensgate.com. You can go there right now. Red alert. You see up here, red alert. They had just found out that Haley's Comet was coming by. It only comes by every couple thousands of years. So red alert. 76 years, I think. Re- no, it's like 4,000 years. Red, that's an... Haley's Comet. No, Hellbop. I'm sorry. Oh, oh okay. Haley's Comet, yes. Hellbop. Got it. Hellbop Comet comes around every 4,000 years. But Red Alert is where they saw that, hey, this comet's coming up. So everyone, you know. Oh, my God. Shram said you can contact them and they respond. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. We have to reach out. Shit. Yeah, let's oh do it, God. man. <laughs> and, and to answer Alan's question, they were making a lot of money designing people's websites. <laughs> I mean, for 1997, that's pretty good yeah no shit yeah so that is the part one of heaven's gate we're going to do part two right after this for our supporters it's a crazy story we're going to do more of the the inside the mansion and we're going to talk about the ideology there's two people here one of them is this crazy little dude um here on the front cover of this book and he's kind of the main guy but we're going to talk about all that and go into this book and this book's actually signed by the authors Whoa. Whoa. Check that out. Anyway, if you're on the, here right now hearing this, thank you so much for stopping by and watching us. And that's all I have. So you guys got anything? We'll be back in about 15. All right. Well, until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely sheeple. <laughs> <laughs>